So on Wednesday, we began reading our book together, These 40 Days. I hope you have one of the books. Uh, for these 40 days, we'll be focusing upon Jesus teaching the Sermon on the Mount. Now, some of you have been reading the book for the last four days, and you say, I've been reading, Pastor. There hadn't been a thing about the Sermon on the Mount yet. And you're absolutely correct. But starting today and through the rest of the time between now and Easter, it's going to be focusing on Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. And I hope you will get it and follow along with us. It's not the most light and entertaining book you have ever read, but it has, it has many things that are very thought-provoking. And if we will take the time to consider what is written there, I think we will find new direction for our lives and for the different challenges that we each are facing. So following the service, they'll be out there in the foyer. I hope that you will get one and join with us because, because I am sure that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you and it will help you to hear him. So, uh, so please do that. Today we're going to be be reading from the Gospel according to St. Matthew. If you'll turn in your Bibles there, we'll be, be reading from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, starting in chapter 4. Now, some of you know immediately, that's not the Sermon on the Mount. Well, as uh, those of you who are here on Wednesday night know, we, uh, we are setting up the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount, a lot of people just say, oh, well, it's chapter 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew, and they don't pay any attention to anything else going on around it. It's just, boom, there it is. But Matthew put it where he put it for a reason, and so we're going to start a little bit earlier than the beginning of the sermon today just to help us understand what's going on and why Jesus is saying the things that he's saying. So we'll be starting in chapter Already, we talked about it on Wednesday, that the way Matthew tells Jesus' story is very similar to the story of the Exodus, the founding of the, the nation of Israel, the deliverance of them from slavery into the promised land. So, it follows the Exodus pattern. Egypt. Then in chapter 3, he passes through the waters of baptism. In the first part of chapter 4, he, he spends 40 days, not 40 years, but he spends 40 days in the wilderness. And now, where we're going to begin reading today, he is announcing the arrival of the kingdom of God. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is arriving. So let us turn to chapter 4 of Matthew. We're going to begin reading at verse 17. This is the gospel of the Lord. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, 
for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And this is the good news, the gospel of the Lord. So Jesus came preaching, saying, repent, which means turn around, change your life, go a new direction. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is arriving. Since it's arriving, you need to live differently than when you are just saying, oh, I hope it will come soon. I'm expecting it will come. For the Jewish people... The people to whom Jesus was teaching and preaching, they were expecting the coming of the kingdom of heaven because their scriptures, the prophets had said, there is going to come a king and he is going to usher in the kingdom of heaven. 
And so they were waiting. They were waiting impatiently because they were conquered people. The Romans. The Romans were the ones who ran everything. The Romans had a very large empire that stretched from the Atlantic clear to the Middle East. And the Romans were not a, the least bit interested in Jewish values, in uh, trying to understand the Jewish culture. Instead, they wanted the Jewish people to toe the line and to pay taxes. So when Jesus comes and he starts announcing repent, the kingdom of heaven is arriving, people stop and look and begin to pay attention because they've been waiting for this. The kingdom of heaven, in their minds, the kingdom of heaven means the conquerors become the conquered. And those who are conquered become the conquerors. The people thought, Oh, this is wonderful news. Yes, we'll drop our jobs and everything and follow somebody who's going to bring the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. They were excited. These men thought, oh, we're going to get in on the ground floor of the kingdom. That means we're going to get positions of influence and power in the new empire that this one is going to set up. Maybe we'll be cabinet ministers. We're going to be important. And then we'll show these Romans. People saw the power of Jesus. You heard it. Jesus would heal people. They didn't have lots of doctors with all kinds of professional training and experience. Certainly not a lot of technology and all of the pharmaceuticals that we have today. Getting sick was a life-threatening experience. But they brought all those people. You heard the list of the suffering people, and Jesus healed them. It was a sign of his power, the power of the kingdom of heaven. It was a sign that the kingdom was coming. People were electrified. Crowds began to gather, not just from around Galilee, where Jesus was, but they were coming from Syria. They were coming from the far northern parts of of what is the land of Israel. They were coming from the far southern parts from the land of Israel, and they were coming from across the border into what is today the kingdom of Jordan. People were traveling great distances to come and find out what is going on because they had begun to hear the stories. I want to miss out. Amazing thing that they're... Now, their idea of what was happening was very different than Jesus' idea. Their understanding was the empire of Rome is going to be replaced by the Jewish empire. 
and they thought, we are going to rule. And instead of us sending all of our taxes to the foreign invaders, all of them are going to send their taxes to us. Instead of having to do what is commanded us by foreign conquerors, we're going to tell the world what to do. Instead of being subjects, we're going to be the ruling class. And we will show the world then who has power. And so we come to chapter 5. The Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went on a mountainside and began to teach his disciples the truth about living in the kingdom of heaven. It wasn't going to be the way they expected. Their ideas of the reign of God were very different from God's ideas and God's plans. He was turning their expectations on their heads. Nothing was going to be in the kingdom of heaven the way they were expecting. It was going to be very, very different. The kingdom does not take power away from one group and give it to another group. Sure, the kingdoms of this world divide the world into those who have and those who don't. The rulers of the kingdoms of this world create scarcity for the majority of people because the rulers hoard and take and seize everything they can possibly grasp. The winners have a lot and the losers don't have much. The kingdom of this world uh, oppresses people, especially the people of God, and it seizes money, possessions, and power to keep its ruling class ruling. And the kingdoms of this world haven't changed a whole lot in the last 2,000 years. But Jesus taught that his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, is very different. In it, there is enough for everyone. His kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, is not based upon power and seizures and subjugation. It's based upon righteousness, mercy, goodness kindness, love. So Jesus begins the sermon. It, it's, it's almost, it's like throwing cold water, a slap in the face. It's a shocking thing. 
Were you shocked when we read it? Probably not. But it's a very shocking thing. And he says, do you want to know who are the blessed? The ones who are the blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, those who are persecuted because of righteousness, the insulted, the slandered. All of these are the blessed people. The kingdom of this world calls those kind of people losers. And if we had started the sermon today by asking you to list in your mind what are the characteristics of people who are blessed, people who have the favor of God, or if we're going to use the word that is used so much by the kingdoms of this world, the people who are successful, is that the list you would have created? I think very few of us would have made the list that way. But Jesus was saying to these people who had bought very much into the way the kingdom of the world operates and didn't expect this kind of change when the kingdom of heaven arrived, but instead just thought it's going to be a reversal of roles and we're going to have our chance to stick it to everybody else. To them, Jesus said, that has nothing to do with the kingdom of heaven. So you want to know who is successful at living life, who really experiences blessedness, happiness, there's not a perfect word for translating this because when we say blessed, we all just go, oh, well, that's a churchy thing. But it means maybe the best word, though this has no kind of connection in most of our minds with God, is the word successful. So Jesus says, it's the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, and the rest of that list. They are the ones who are successful at living life. So he said, repent, quit living like the world, give up your kingdom of the world uh, expectations, plan for living, and do come into my kingdom, he said. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is arriving. 
repent of pursuing the same things the kingdom of the world pursues. Self-promotion. People behind, you do understand. Come to the righteousness and mercy of my kingdom. Jesus is inviting all of these crowds, these people who are wannabe disciples. Get in on the kingdom as it comes. He says, repent. Many people have read the Sermon on the Mount. Many people who aren't even followers of Jesus have read the Sermon on the Mount. And a lot of people, many people, even ones who aren't followers of Jesus say, that, that expresses beautiful sentiments. But what it says is way too idealistic. That'll never work. Sounds good, but we got to be more practical. We can't live like that. And there are plenty of Christians say, and Jesus didn't really mean for us to take it that way. He's practical and he, he, he's reasonable. He's just trying to get us to dream of something that we haven't been dreaming of. To raise our sights a bit. No, that is the way that Jesus lived, isn't it? And he says, this is the way it is in the kingdom of heaven. So if you really want to follow me, if you really want to be my disciple, repent. Give up the processes and strategies and values of the kingdom of the world and accept what is true, the true values of the kingdom of heaven. For the kingdom of heaven is the one that's going to endure. So Jesus says, it'll work. But too few of us have the faith when I say us, I mean too few of the followers of Jesus have the faith or the trust to believe him and follow him into the kingdom. He says, blessed are those who follow me and live the life of the kingdom of heaven. So here it is for us. Which are we going to choose? Really? You see, he's not saying, who doesn't want to go to hell? He's saying, who wants to come into the kingdom? A lot of times we say, I don't want to go to hell, but don't mess with my plans too much, Jesus. And Jesus says, do you want to come in the kingdom? You have to repent of your plans to come into the kingdom. People say, oh, that won't work where I work. No way. Students say, that won't work at my school, or that won't work on my sports team. 
Jesus doesn't change his mind. He says, here is the way of the kingdom of heaven. And I would be very glad for you to be a part of the life of kingdom of heaven. So come on, repent. It's arriving. He invites us. So what are you going to do? Are you going to repent? Are you going to come into the kingdom of heaven? For he has brought it. So during this season of Lent, we are listening, I hope you are listening every day to Jesus as he is going to teach us about living in the kingdom of heaven. There are a couple of sentences in our readings this week that just really jumped out at me. So I don't know if they jumped out at you, so I'm going to hopefully make them jump out at you right now. The point of Lent is not to feel sorrowful for your sin and brokenness. The point of Lent is to come under the transforming grace of God in a way that changes our lives. To what degree is my life truly set apart for God and his mission in the world? And so we read, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Let us pray together. Give your response to him as we pray. Lord Jesus, we are very well aware that operation. And we confess that very often we have accepted and used the strategies of the kingdoms of this world to get what we want instead of listening to you and living the life of the kingdom of heaven, which you freely give to us if we will take it. You know the things that have held us back. Sometimes it's desires, Sometimes it's greed. Sometimes it's fear of something. We pray that as we consider your words in these coming weeks, you will help us to really hear you talking to each one of us about our own individual lives and our following of you. 
and pour out grace upon us so that we'll trust you and we'll repent in all areas where we have been living according to the kingdoms of the world. We thank you that you are merciful to us. That you patiently call us. That you have done everything necessary for us to repent and come into your kingdom. We thank you for this meal that you gave to your disciples so that every time we eat and drink, we will remember your great love, how you yourself came to bring the kingdom and deliver us from the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of this world, and bring us into your kingdom of light and blessedness and joy and peace and mercy. And we remember that it took you giving your very life, your very self for us. And so we know that as we eat these very simple items of food, that they signify for us something far greater than what they appear to be. And so we ask that you would send your Holy Spirit upon these gifts and cause them to become for us the sacrament of the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And on the night you were betrayed, you took bread and you said, this is my body which is given for you. And after supper, you took the cup and said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. We have remembered you today as we've listened to your words. And we remember your death, your resurrection, and that you are the king of the kingdom of heaven. We know we don't deserve any mercy from you, but you eagerly pour out mercy and love upon us. So with thanksgiving, we come and receive. So we pray that you would help us, everyone, to be very aware of your presence with us as we eat and as we drink. Let us stand together and say the prayer that Christ our Lord has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.